are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10. I'm preaching on a very needed, uh, but a very scarce Christian. I've heard people talk about a carnal Christian, a weak Christian, a worldly Christian, an overcoming Christian, a victorious Christian. I'd like to present a brand of a Christian that I think is muchly needed in this day and time. People of faith and missionaries, wherever the places of service may come. In the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning at verse 30, the Bible says, A certain man went down. And without any over-imagination, that's the direction most men have already gone or are going. A certain man went down. I know you'll pray for me while I preach, and I'll try to be as brief as I can in getting the message into your heart. But if you'll pray, it'll make it a lot easier. And I cannot say anything wrong with this crowd to start with. This is the finest attention for a banquet crowd and a big crowd I believe I've ever seen in my life. So you listen now. Don't let the devil steal away the gospel seed. This man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now you'd say, what is Jerusalem? That's anything... That doesn't satisfy. That could be your religion. I've seen many a person go down because of religion. I've seen somebody that went down in the midst of her religion. And I said to her, as kindly and tenderly as I could, even though she said, I've got my own religion, and I cannot even go hear you preach. Oh, I said, yeah, you can go hear me preach. And I said, did it ever occur to you that evidently your religion has failed you? Or you wouldn't be disappointed and as confused as you told me in tears that you are. Folks, I'm so glad I've found something besides religion. I'm glad that my salvation is not in a program or a plan, but in a man called the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I began to break the bread and preach and we sang, I think it drew out a hunger and it was in an empty heart. And out of this 11 or 1,200 people, besides hundreds of thousands that will be listening sometime on the radio, wonder how many of you are really satisfied with Jesus. I mean, do you have a satisfying portion? I mean, do you wake up happy in the morning? You go to bed happy? Maybe I should say, do you wake up holy and go to bed holy? I believe God reserves the right to make everything holy happy. And the reason America's an unhappy nation, she's an unholy nation. And I believe I stand in the center of the Bible Belt of America in Kansas and Nebraska. More than any place I've ever been, I find people who live clean. And this man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, the good thing about it was he was just half dead. 
He went down. He fell among thieves, left him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. Uh, that when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I want you to notice something. This is a rebuke. Now, this comes from Jesus himself. This is a rebuke of Jesus for religion. There's nothing that he hated with such a passion as he hated religion. And Jerusalem represented what? Religion. He went down from where? From Jerusalem. Now then, here comes religion along the road. Is religion going to help build a rescue mission? Not on your life. Do they care for the down and outs? No, no. Not a bit. And I want to tell you something else. Religion travels by chance. Nothing sure about it at all. It just takes a chance. You know, and if they pray, they'll say if. Because they know they're not going to get it answered and that'll get them off the hook. <laughs> by chance, that came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And dear friend, religion lives all together on the other side of the man in need. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now then, religion is gone, but the man still died. The man has not been rescued. I do not know what the priest and the Levite are going to do when they get home unless they make a report of the convention they've been attending. They've been up to Jerusalem, you know, and that's religious headquarters. But I tell you, it's hard to get much done unless you're willing to get in the ditch with the man that needs to get out. I don't understand. I really don't. Now, I know some people say, well, the Lord just called you to that ministry, Brother Wolf. You spoke. Dear friend, he called every Christian to the ministry of rescue in the perishing. We're finding out who your neighbor is. And I'm going to give the brand of the kind of Christian we need before this message is over. Let me read the rest of the scripture and then we'll come to the subject and get into the heart of the message. Notice what he said. Pass by on the other side. Levi, pass by on the other side. And to me, the Levite is a product of the priest. The Levite is not responsible. He's kindly an understudy. And I believe that more than anything else, the preacher sets the pace and the pattern and the standard for the people in the pew today. Like priests, like people. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and Wine set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Here's the question. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go 
and do thou likewise. I'm speaking on likewise Christians. What is a likewise Christian? He's a man that likes to be wise. He's likewise. He's a man that will do what this Samaritan did. And that Samaritan got out off of his beast, got out in the ditch, risked his own life, exposed himself to the robbers that no doubt might have been lurking in the bushes at that time, and picked up this bloody man, bound up his wounds and stopped him from bleeding so he could live. Till he got him into the inn. A likewise Christian. Are you one? You could be. I'll say one thing in your favor. You've exposed yourself to a work, and evidently you believe that this work ought to be carried on. And I'm still amazed, and I'm saying to our radio friends, I'm amazed at far over a thousand people whose faces are turned toward this platform tonight that have gathered to rescue what the world calls a bunch of bums. But that's all any of us are without Christ. People say, oh, preacher, they, I've had people tell me, said, Brother Law, you just watch it working with a bunch of junk. I said, yeah, but I'm working in the name of the greatest junk dealer the world's ever known. <laughs> That's all he found when he found me. Oh, listen, dear friends. The thing that's amazing is that our Savior can take a piece of junk and make a valuable vessel out of it. Jeremiah said, I went down to the potter's house and I saw the potter and he made a work on wheels and marred his hands and he could have thrown it away, but he said he made it again. Dear friend, I don't believe there's many people that ever lives to get grown, even in Christ or in years. I mean the maturity of 40 or 50 years, but what goes down somewhere along the trail. But aren't you glad that Jesus didn't kick you and leave in the ditch to die? Neither are we to leave others in the ditch to die. Now then, I want to show you the difference. I never had seen so many things that this man did. Number one, the good Samaritan, we call him, was on a journey. So am I. I'm turning between two posts. One of them is my birthplace, and the other is my death place, or the rapture. And I'm somewhere between those two poles, and I'm on a journey. And I'm seeking for a city not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I've already got my passport fixed up. And as an old saint of God said, in Christ I'm sitting on a heavenly rainbow with my feet hanging off. And I'm living on the earth, but I'm boarding in heaven. And Jesus supplies every need as we journey, and he's kept every promise that he ever made, and he's made a lot of them. I hear people say, well, I'm not going to get myself out on the limb. Most people that talk like that never have climbed the tree yet. <laughs> I get sick of people that just they say, well, I'm just not going to take a chance. You're not taking a chance when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, all of life is a gamble. Not in the will of God, it's not a gamble. The will of God is sure. When you file a flight plan with him and obey him, I got a charge. I'm always interested in flying experiences. And I came in on precision landing in Dallas 
which means they do it all. All you do is do what they tell you to do. I mean, you don't have to see anything. All you got to do is just do what they tell you to do. And they'll say, and they'll tell you, not, they don't say it like this, but what they mean is keep your mouth shut. <laughs> because they use the nice term, no more acknowledgments of my transmissions. <laughs> but then my old-fashioned daddy said, you keep your mouth shut. I'll do the talking. And they did. And brother, I was glad for them to do it. Because he knew what he told me. He knew where I was. He knew how high I was. He knew how far I was from touchdown. He knew exactly when I was in the middle of the glide path. He knew exactly. He knew more about me than I knew about myself and the plane and all of it. But the man on one occasion said as he sailed through the soup and the fog and he could see nothing. And this is precious for Christians. He became alarmed and almost panicked and almost had a fit of vertigo. And he says to the tower, there's a, there's a big tall tower out in this vicinity, uh, somewhere. And he was afraid as he came down, he's fixing to plug into that tower that he couldn't see. The man in the tower very calmly said, you obey instructions, I'll take care of obstructions. <laughs> Sometimes you and I get to worrying about the obstructions. <laughs> God said, do let me take care of those. You just get the instructions. I see all the towers. I know all the mountains and all the valleys. Oh, listen, I know all the pitfalls, too. Every one of them. I read somewhere where a little boy uh, went to swimming when he wasn't supposed to. And uh, his daddy had given him explicit uh, instructions not to go swimming. And uh, he came back and he said, Daddy, I... Uh, he said, of course, he called him. He said, yeah, I told you. And he said, yes, sir, I know. I didn't really mean to go. But he said, son, that's strange. You took your swimsuit with you, didn't you? Well, yes, sir. But I wasn't really intending to go swimming. <laughs> well, he said, why did you take it? Well, he said, I just took it in case I was tempted. <laughs> He'd made his plans, hadn't he, to be tempted and to fall to temptation. Yes, sir. He was on the journey. He came where he was. That's what you're doing. He came right where he was. He didn't go where he wasn't. He came where he was. You got to get with them. You got to get right where they are. And that's what the mission does. This mission right here, the rescue mission right here in this city. It gets where the people are. And then the next thing he saw him, he had a vision of his need. He saw his scars, his blood. He saw the pain and the anguish in the poor man's face that had been robbed and left for dead. He saw the man that religion had passed up and the fourth thing, he had compassion on him. There's no substitute for that. There's no substitute for compassion. That's the one thing that's missing. That's the reason the tears are gone. That's the reason the tear ducts are dried up. And one of the temptations you and I are going to have and especially you, as you work so close with them 24 hours a day, is to become weary with the promise breakers. And you're going to see some failures and be disappointed in some people that you thought really were just fixing to go to preaching and they went to drinking again. I know what those disappointments are. I really do. And sometimes you'll have to fight it because it's a part of the devil's program There'll come a time when because of thieves and crookedness and lying and criticism and undermining, 
you'll almost want, instead of to preach Christ into them, to beat the devil out of them. And yet that's not it. That's not it. Some of these days I want to preach a whole sermon on what the storm does to God's people. And so I'd like to tell you on what the storm can mean to God's children. If you've never been through a storm, you don't know that you could even make it through it. But when you've been through it, then you know that God is able to bring you through. Job said, I've heard of the Lord by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth him. Now, Mrs. John Wesley, you know, said she raised John and her boys on the Bible and hickory teeth. The word of God and a good spanking, paddling, hickory limb, if you please, which, of course, we don't believe in anymore in this country. The hoodlums just about to take over, aren't they? Why would you steal when God's take care of all of you? Something's got to happen to you. Do you realize that Jesus took your stripes and your licks? Don't you love him enough to give your life to him and your heart to him? If we just take it to him now, would you just get on your knees and just pour out your heart to him and tell him all about your old wicked heart? I realize, dear friends, that paddling is not the final answer. But I believe that when Jesus Christ comes in, people ought to live differently. And we ought to be honest. Now then, notice he had compassion on him. He went to him. He bound up his wounds that were bleeding, no doubt. He poured in oil and wine, which means healing and joy. And he set him on his own burden, gave him a special place. And then he brought him to the inn. He took care of him. And then he did that unusual. He reached in his pocket and pulled out the money and footed the bill. And dear friends, may I say that God has not called everybody to preach or to sing. But most everybody who works could reach in their pocket and pull out two pence and help foot the bill. I'm amazed. I just said that a while ago, but I'm just amazed. And I'd be more amazed at what this crowd could do in this area for Christ. I mean, there's just no limit. You see, as this thing rocks on toward the rapture, and as sin takes its toll and homes are shattered and children are left orphans and mothers are left widows because of husbands that go to the penitentiaries, there's going to be an increasing amount of work that we need to do. And who cares about a few dollars or a thousand dollars if it wins a family to Christ? What's your money for? And what good is it going to be to you when you take off of the ground and head for heaven? What are you going to do with your money when you get home? As I've said a lot of times, I can hear a million cries tonight from Egypt's land. Boys, little girls, in serious trouble. And yet Christ is the answer. That's all they need is Christ. Say what you please, dear friends. It's not a new denominational approach or a moving letter somewhere. It's a moving of their heart to Jesus that they need. You must be born again. He paid the bill. And then he said to the host, take care of them. And whatever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. 
Now, in closing the message tonight, I just showed you what the Samaritan did. He did 12 or 14 things that he got the job done. Now then, he said, I'll foot the bill, but I'm coming again. Now then, to me, this is the thing that the Lord impressed on me. Jesus is the good Samaritan. He found me in a ditch. He poured in oil and wine. And as I've said many a time, and I'd like to say to the men from the rescue mission and the people that have had the drink habit or do have the drink habit now, when you get saved, you don't have to quit drinking. You just need to change fountains. <laughs> I drink more than I've ever drunk. But oh, what I'm drinking. It takes me to bed happy, wakes me up thrilled at another day and another opportunity. Never was the field so white, and I never have had a greater burden for people than I have now. I've never known of a time when the field was ready for harvest anymore. And listen, when it's ripe, it's ready for the harvest, and if we don't reap, it'll ruin. As I flew over these wet fields today, realized that our friends in Kansas, like the people in the valley, have gone through a testing time this year. The drought, the hot sun, mocked the cries of the wheat fields as those little sprigs of wheat begged for a refreshing rain. And after a while, some wheat was made and was hard to harvest. Now, the Milo, and I noticed some of the younger grain today, so green that when that frost falls tonight, it'll bite it to pieces. The fields are soaked in mud, and it'll be hard to harvest. Brethren, you've got to get after your field when it gets to your harvest, when it gets ripe. That's the reason I've seen those old combines with those headlights on them. All night long, you've heard them humming and turning. You've seen these old farmers that work so hard here in this country, and especially in Kansas and Nebraska, do much of their own work, come in at night, eat a bite, back on that old combine, or out town in that wheat field, trying to get in the harvest. They've worked for it and looked forward to it, and their debts at the bank and their grocery bills are depending upon the harvest. Dear friends, I've got a word for you. You can lose a wheat crop and make another. You can lose a mile old crop and make another. But dear friends, when you lose a generation of souls, they're gone forever. Lost forever. Lost forever. Dear friends, it's time now for us to quit playing church and to give our hearts over to Christ and to be a likewise. Christian. And then the last thing, I can hear Jesus as he said now, don't you take care of him for me. He's telling me to take care of him. I'm the host. You and I are the hosts. The mission is the host. Jesus has gone away. He's already poured in the oil and the wine and put in the bell of salvation. And he said to you and me, now take care of him. And when I come again, I'll repay thee. Isn't that going to be a wonderful time? I'll repay thee. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org. 
a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.